Welcome to Imperfect Action with Brock Edwards. And today, well, actually, before we even get to today, of course, you know, this is the the podcast where we're looking for information and inspiration to really take that that next step or, or maybe that first step for whatever we've got going on in our lives, whether it's you know venturing out, starting our own business, maybe just starting a side gig. Uh, or, or just taking on that that big project in our lives, and it, it's but you know the title of this is based on the idea that imperfect action beats perfect inaction because it's so easy to get bogged down into making things perfect that we we miss just moving forward. And so, really excited for today's guest. We have Tim Jones. Tim, you are based in New Zealand, and that's all the introduction I'm going to do for you. Why don't you tell everyone a bit about yourself and what you're up to? Fantastic. Um, so yeah, as we as we would say in New Zealand to welcome a large group of people, kia ora koutou. Um, that's correct. I'm Tim, um, based in Christchurch, New Zealand, so the South Island. Um, New Zealand, we've got two islands, well, three if you include Stewart Island at the very bottom. Um, yes, yeah, so I'm based down here and I am the Grow Good Guy. So I'm all about helping um, build people and organizations with heart. Uh, so I work predominantly yeah, with, with people uh, on their own or in small groups or with large companies and try and help them navigate the journey to being more purpose-driven um, and see how they can make more positive impact in the world. So that's kind of what I'm up to. Awesome. So, I mean, big question. Well, how, how do you do that? Um, <laughs> and I'll narrow that question down. That's a little unfair, Tim. But um, <laughs> yeah, so purpose, and, and you're operating on a couple levels, uh, what you just said there, helping both individuals and organizations. Yep. And, uh, you know, purpose is such a, a big concept. So where where do you even begin with it? I mean, I think most people have a sense that purpose is important and they want to have purpose. And I feel like people are searching to f- find, you know, that one perfect purpose for them, whatever it is. Where do you start them? And that, that, is the, that is almost like the million dollar question. Um, and when I first kind of got into talking about purpose and trying to explain it and I kind of would frequently say it's like trying to explain the taste and smell of the number three because it is really ethereal. It's it's like, you know, not trying to nail jelly to the wall. It's like, it's really, really hard. Um, and, and there's a real danger of as you try to connect to it a little bit more. And, and I know that you've interviewed um, a good mate of mine, Zach Mercurio recently, you know, as, as he says, you don't kind of stumble across purpose. The purpose is in there. You've just got to unearth it and connect to it. And um, to be honest, the place where I typically start is by asking people, where is the disconnection rather than where the connection is? Mm. Um, Because most people, um, if you look at the statistics from, I think it's like Gallup polls globally, you know, between 70 and 80 percent of people are disengaged in the workplace. And and yet the workplace is where we spend the majority of our day, week, month, year, life. Um, So there's clearly this big disconnect that a lot of people have. And so... It's kind of what I call the authenticity gap. So who who is the real you versus who is the you that you're kind of having to be to go and do your job or do whatever you do mostly during the during the week? And what's the disconnect? Like where's the gap? What's the what's the real you wanting to do versus what's you having to do, if that kind of makes sense? Because I think if you can articulate that, then you have a real sense of um, what you need to start working on and how you can start finding connection to, to what you're looking for. Because ultimately in kind of all, all the reading and research I've done on purpose, there's kind of three things, well, two things that every human's looking for is connection. And within that, I would, I would also put love. Um, but I kind of use love and connection almost interchangeably because there's different levels, I think, of love and, and connection and meaning. 
and I think that's where we we struggle a lot in the modern world is we have, is we're not very connected and we don't really see much meaning in the work that we're doing. Yeah. So well, I, so let me ask Tim. You know, um, I, I've seen I've seen the numbers around the the disconnection at work. You know, the the lack of engagement. And for me, the interesting thing was they effectively haven't changed since uh, Gallup started measuring them. You know, a decade and a half ago. You know, there's been little blips, but it, it really just hovers around 30% engagement. And despite all the effort, despite all the talk, you know, the blogs, the books, the podcasts, everything, all the money being thrown at it. And, and it, it occurs to me that, you know, if you're disengaged at work, well, I, I guess what, what occurs to me, what I've always wondered about is how many of those people are also disengaged in their own lives, because if you're disengaged in your life, it's unlikely you show up at work and then, you know, suddenly you're, you're magically engaged. And so I've just always wondered, you know, are, are we focusing our efforts on the wrong end? Like, you know, fixing work isn't going to make you engaged in the rest of your life, but making you getting engaged in the rest of your life might actually get you engaged at work. And, and, you know, it strikes me that's what you're really talking about here. That, that meaning, that connection, that, that more there. So, in today's busy world, how, how do you find meaning? How do you make meaning of it? A hundred percent. And, you know, my one of my views is that time is one of the biggest tools of oppression that we all suffer under. You know, we're, we're everyone I know is busy. You know, I've, I'm 40 years old. I've got a six-year-old daughter. There's not another parent that I know through school who isn't just like, oh, my word, I just don't have a, I don't have five minutes to even stop and think. And I think culturally that, you know, particularly in the West, I, I guess I can only speak for a Western democratized nation's uh, white middle class viewpoint in, in many ways on that. But I think if you look at um, declining rates of, of uh, prosperity across most Western democratized nations, um, and then, you know, I'd say anecdotally, almost every family we know, both parents are having to work to, to make ends meet and to, to try and, in inverted commas, get ahead. Um, whereas I think a generation ago, um, I think time in many ways was perhaps more, you know, I think a generation ago, you'd finish work at, at five o'clock or six o'clock and it would be done. Whereas now work creeps into life. Um, so I think there's an element of that. <clears throat> um, but you're 100 percent right. And, and this is part of where I, where I sort of think that, that there's that authenticity gap. It's like, who are you on the weekend versus who are you Monday to Friday? And where's the difference? Mm. And typically the, the real you is the you that's out on the weekend because that's when you're relaxed and you're at one and you're, you're more likely to be hanging out with people that you're choosing to hang out with, you know, friends, family, so on and so forth. Whereas Monday to Friday, you, you know, you might have to front up, put the suit on, put a, put a identity or a persona of, well, I work in this kind of organization and people in this organization behave in this way. Um, I mean, there's a really classic, well, it's such a sad story. Um, I heard this recently. I was talking to um, a young lady who'd recently exited from working for one of the big consulting firms. And she was recounting, um, you know, one of the stories that helped her realize that she was on the wrong path working in that organization was when she was talking to one of the senior partners in this organization. And he was um, coming to his mid-60s, um, you know, looking at retiring. And he basically was saying to her how he felt he'd wasted the 40 years of his life by working in this big organization, you know, working his way up to become senior partner at a national level. And all he ever wanted to do was basically work in um, what we call over here is like Mitre 10, but you guys would probably call it Home Depot. Like that's all he wanted to do. But he spent 
40 years of his life living someone else's life. And I think that's the real risk. If you don't connect to that, who are you and what does the real you stand for and, and, and value and what does connection and meaning mean to you, then th there is always going to be that disconnect. And I think for humans to thrive, you have to ideally get those two points to vector in together. Otherwise, there's always going to be a disconnect. You're always going to have to be someone else when you're at work versus when you're at home. And, and that is where I think a lot of people end up with midlife crises. That's where we have a lot of mental health issues is because people are having to be two people or more, or more than two people. Yeah. So Tim, um, I, first off, you know, that absolutely breaks my heart. Um, you know, I just love it when people are able to, to live up to their potential or even close to their potential, you know, what, whatever it is they define as success and, and themselves. And it hurts so much when, when someone misses that. And I, I remember hearing a quote, I didn't actually read, read the whole book. I think it was a, a Tolstoy character who, you know, on his deathbed said, you know, what if my whole life has been a mistake? Yeah. And I, I may be getting that slightly wrong, but the, the spirit of it's on and that's a brutal thing to face. I mean, you know, we're, we're all going to, have that moment where we reflect back on our lives and that's a, that's a rough question. And, and then we, we also see, um, you know, there's a lot of work, a lot being said about authenticity in the workplace. So, and the importance of it. And I think intuitively we all get the idea that when we're able to be our whole self, we are a higher functioning human being. So, where, where is the disconnect or, or how do we bridge that? Why, why do we feel the need to front up, as you said? Um, well, I think um, my take on that is, you know, we are, we are tribal animals who want to be liked. Um, so there's an element of, you know, and, and you know, you, you can take this to, to, to America. Like I'm, I am a Jones. You no longer have to keep up with the Joneses. I release you all from having to keep up with me or any other of my family. There is this perception that, you know, well, for me to fit in, you know, I have to live in this kind of, if, if I do this kind of job, I have to drive this kind of car. I have to live in this kind of house, da, 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 da. So there's an element of that, which is like basic, I guess, psychology that, you know, we want to be liked by the tribe. We don't want to be thrown out by the tribe because if we are, then we're not going to survive because we need to work with each other. But um, one of the, well, <laughs> and there's two, two other layers behind that. There's, you know, um, as an adult, 95% of your decision-making is run by your subconscious thinking. And your subconscious is fully formed between the ages of four and seven as a child. So actually, who you are as an adult is, is very rarely your own choosing. You know, the cultural narratives, the belief systems that you hold to be true. Um, like I say, you know, if, if, you, if you've grown up um, with a family where mum and dad are both lawyers and accountants, there's a very high probability that you're going to end up on a very similar track. Whereas if, you know, mum um, and dad were both working um, in a factory, there's a very high probability that you're going to end up on that same path because you don't want to necessarily break those cultural traditions or narratives. So I think there's that. But then on top of it, you layer on the the kind of um, consumerist culture that we live in, where there is this daily um, assault on your self-worth. I mean, one of my my favorite adverts that I like to pick up, pick apart, and, and I, I won't name names in case I, I don't want you to get in trouble. But there is a brand of, of beer that is sold um, and it comes from somewhere south of the border from where you are. 
Um, and one and one of their taglines that they have over here is from where you'd rather be. And, you know, it just encapsulates that what they're saying is your life isn't very good. But if you go and buy a box of our beer and you go and drink it, you can pretend that you're anywhere else in the world. So just kind of consume our stuff and life's going to be better. And for me, that just sums up the modern consumerist world we live in, where they you have this daily assault on your self-worth, which is easily fixed by you buying some stuff which will make you happy for a little bit, and it's called the hedonic treadmill. And so you go on this little loop of happiness, and then then you realize, oh, actually, you know, um, Brock's got an iPhone 10, so therefore I'm not I'm not good enough. So I need to I need I now need to go get the iPhone 10, and then you get the 11 when they launch that, and you go round and round and round on this little consumerist treadmill of trying to make yourself feel happy and connected. Whereas actually what you really need is, is that sense of purpose and meaning and contribution in, in, in your, in your life on a, on a more uh, deep level. So I think there's this, it's kind of, you know, I call it your life trajectory. So who are you based on the fact that you're not probably who you've chosen to be? It's, it's who other people have influenced you to be. And really interestingly, that is the number one regret of people close to, to dying is I wish I'd lived a life true to myself, not the life that others had, had wished I'd lived. Um, and then you layer on top of that the, um, the the fact that we all want to fit in, and then you layer on top of that the the the, the general barrage on our self worth, and just buy stuff, buy stuff, you'll be happy. And I think that's three really powerful mechanisms that lead a lot of people to get to a point where they just go, I don't know who I am. And a bit like this guy who was in this consulting firm, he you know he was so far down the rabbit hole that he couldn't turn around and go, do you know what I want out? And that's the real trick. That's the that's where you get completely trapped. Is I think there are so many people that would happily, you know, click the button, restart, do something completely different, but they're trapped in the system. And they and it's having that transparency, the vulnerability, and the courage to turn around and go, "This isn't what I want." But we're really bad at admitting we're wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, all right. So, so Tim. The, the way this is set up, so between the ages of four and seven, I form my identity. And then I, you know, we, we, we all take on what we take on, the, the beliefs uh, around us, beliefs on who we are and how we fit in and how we need to fit in. And so the tough question then is, well, you, you mentioned living a life true to myself, but if all this was formed by the time I was, you know, basically in first grade, how do I know what true to myself is? How, how do I discover that? And that is the hard work. <laughs> that is where, like, if you, if you crack that, the rest of it comes real easy. And that was the first stage um, that I kind of realized for myself was, it's like, how did I end up working for, this, for these companies, thinking that making a ton of money whilst knowingly, these companies and the surgeons, some of the surgeons, not all of them, some of the surgeons working with them are killing people in pursuit of profit over patient outcomes. How did I get to this point where I thought that was cool? Because that's not cool. Like when you just pause for a second and go, like if you stop someone on the street and said, hey, look, you're going to earn some good money. You can help these other people earn some good money. We all cool with that. You go, yeah, okay, that sounds pretty cool. Okay, but, the, but by doing that, you're going to kill these people over here. Like if you if you logically just stopped and, and paused and, and presented that to you'd hope, you know, ninety nine point nine percent of humans would go, No, I'm not interested, I'll go and do something else. Yet for ten years that that was what I was doing. And so for me, I I I literally had to break down and go, Okay, well what what led me here? And then I went back through the journey and it's like, okay, well, it was the influence of my schooling, which was very much um 
you know, it was a great school um, in terms of, you know, the facilities and so on and so forth. But I mean, I clearly remember talking to the careers master um, one day and I sort of said to him, you know, I'm really curious, sir, um, because I used to walk through the town that the school was in every day to get to school. I said, I'm really curious. I walk past all these shops in town every morning. How how does that work? Do, do do people own the buildings? Do they just rent the building? Do they, you know, do they own all the product in there? Like I, I just don't understand how any of it works. And his reply was, "Boys from this school don't work in shops. You don't need to worry about it." And so I, I had these moments that pop through where it's like, "Oh, that like this is where some of these things come from." Like I was put on this path through schooling that. I would go to university, I would get a degree, I would go and do something in, that's professional and well-respected, and that's normal, and that's success, so just go and do it, and don't. And in an environment where you were taught not to question. So I kind of went all the way back, and it's like, my word, this makes so much sense now. <laughs> I've, I've, I was conditioned to, to get to where I wanted to be, because the, the system and my parents around me could go, hey, look, this kid's successful, he's got a highly paid job, in the in the in, in the medical device industry helping people like bravo round of applause isn't isn't tim amazing haven't we done our haven't we done a great job and so understanding who the major influences were on your life but also trying to really connect back and um understand you, you know trying to get back to that four to seven year old child and understand well what actually did give you joy and connection and meaning at that age and if you can kind of try and do that work, and so I know, um, you know, Simon Sinek and his work, he gets people to reflect on, on that question. What did you want to be when you were a kid? Because that four to seven year old kid, like th- th- that is the, almost the closest version of the true human that you, you will have ever been because you're relatively, um, you know, unscathed from, from your peers and society and parents trying to morph you and influence you to be what they want you to be. Um, and you have that real innate sense of who you are and what you want to be. So if you can kind of unbundle why you've ended up where you are and get back as far back as you can and understand, well, what what was it that I might wanted to have been had had I had no other external influences? And then at the same time, for me, when I look back on, on what, what I did like about my time working in the medical industry was I liked helping people and I liked serving people and I liked making sure that other humans thrived. And it's like, okay, so if I can pull those three things out and I can apply them in a slightly different medium with, with the knowledge that I now have, I'm probably going to be on a pretty good route to finding some connection and meaning here. So, yeah, does that all make sense? Yeah, a- absolutely. Um, so, certainly a lot to, to think through there on this. And I, I knew when I asked it, it, it wasn't a small question um, at, at yeah, I mean, all. And oh, go ahead, Tim. Yeah, you know, I, I, well, to, say, to summarize, it's it's try and work out what, what was that first thing that you thought you might want to be and go through the process of unbundling what, what are the layers that have been put on top of you by other people that have led you to be where you are today. And if it's all still in alignment and it's cool and you're not making any negative impact on the world, then you're pretty good to go. But I think most people will stop and realize, actually, by me doing what I'm doing is impacting me, it's impacting my family, or it's impacting other people. And that's where that disconnect turns up. <clears throat> Yeah, you, you know, when, when you're talking, it it occurred to me that the, you know, when you talk about kind of what, the, the life that's been laid out for us, you know, the the our, our tribe, uh, yep. that, you know, there's, it, it seems like there there's caps on both ends. Um, you, you know, you just, you hear people talk about, um, you, you know, essentially, you know, you're, you're above that. In, in fact, that was kind of in your, in your story there, just, you know, don't yes. worry about having to do that. You'll be doing this. Yeah, yeah. 
exactly. And then, but on the other on the other end of it, it almost seems like the, the, there's the cap of you know, well, who do you think you are to aspire to that? You, you know, uh, you know, the, it's like here's your defined place, and yeah, you can go do a little worse or a little better. Exactly. Um, but don't don't rock the boat. Don't be one of those tall poppy. In New Zealand, we call it tall poppy syndrome. Like if there's a tall poppy, you cut it off. Um, and I've got you know I've got another story. There's there's a, there's a, um, a guy I know in Christchurch. You know he um, comes from a farming background, farming family. And in his cultural narrative, when you hit sixteen, you left school and you came to work on the farm with the plan that you would take over the farm. And he was like, no, I want to go to, I want to finish school till I'm 18 and I want to go to university and do design and art because I have a real creative flair. And, you know, he had to battle that to eventually go and do that. And he, and he did that in the end, you know, but I think that those people are generally the outliers, you know, the people that actually have that true calling and, and are deeply connected to it and have the courage to go against parental societal, you know, peer systems at a young age. Um, I mean, the best analogy I think I've got is if any of your listeners are, are, are Monty Python fans, I'm probably showing my age deeply there, um, but Monty Python and the Holy Grail when um, the young prince is trapped in the, in the castle and it's his wedding day and he, he tries, you know, he's trying to escape and he's like, I just want to sing and dance. I want to be, I want to be an actor. I don't want to be, a, I don't want to be a king. And I think it's that that gets squashed in a lot of us by yeah, just having to, you know, toe the line and do the right thing. And and that's what is, is going to kill you ultimately. And I think you kind of touched on it also. It's that, you know, humans would rather have this long-term low-grade pain of waking up every day knowing that what they're doing isn't actually fulfilling them and they're not actually thriving. They're, they're, they're probably just surviving rather than having the short, sharp pain of like, we're going to pull the Band-Aid off. It's going to take some hairs with it. It's going to hurt. But once you're through this, it's going to be sweet. And that's what that kind of the purpose journey entails. It's like you're going to have to pull the Band-Aid off and just realize that there's some stuff under there that, you know, isn't going to look pleasant, but we're going to fix it to a deeper level. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it makes, makes me think of the Henry David Thoreau quote about uh, the mass of men leading lives of quiet desperation, you know. We, 100%. Uh, we, we, it's like we want more, but either we don't dare dream or even if we dream, we don't quite know how to get there. And the small pain of each day is, uh, per perhaps more bearable than the, than the sharp, short pain you talk about, you know, pulling the bandage off quick. hundred percent, hundred percent. And then we look at, you know, in, in New Zealand, um, guys, my age, we have the highest rate of male suicide of guys aged 40 to 50 in the OECD. And also we have the highest rate of teenage suicide in the OECD. And we live in literally one of the world's most beautiful countries. And it's like, how can our lives be that bad that that's what we're doing to each other or, or doing to ourselves? And so, so do we, yeah, I think it's, it's a real. Yeah. So, so let me ask you, I mean, you talk about this daily assault on, on self-worth and is it that we're doing so well that we think we should be doing so much better you know, a couple generations ago when we were still, you know, agricultural, pre-industrial, there was only so much you can do. There was only so many resources. And now exactly. we just have this yep. abundance of resources and this abundance of options. It, it We know yep. we, that it's no longer I have to be, the, you know, the 12th generation of the family business. I can, yep. I, I can fight it. There are options. I can go do something else. And does – I, I – I, I almost feel like, you know, sometimes in my life that's left me feeling lost. Well, okay, I, I kind of got to step it up because, you know, I've got all this going for me here. 100%. So I think that there's, there's two parts to that. 
um, you know, again, in, in the Western democratized world, collectively, we've never had it so good, yet collectively, we've never felt so bad. Like you look at the rates of um, mental illness, you know, um, systemic diseases, cancers, heart disease, like all massively high and rising. Yet, like you say, we, we I mean, my, my, I used to uh, quote Elon Musk landing his uh, rocket ship in the middle of the Pacific on a floating pontoon as, as to what humans can do. But that, that's now been bested um, a couple of months ago by a group of Japanese scientists who landed a robot on an asteroid in outer space. You know, we, we can do that. That's what humans can do. Like we, we literally can almost do anything that we want. Yeah, we we feel so bad. So for me, it's like, and, and, and I guess the second part to that is if you go to the supermarket and you just want to buy a tin of baked beans, if there's a hundred tins of baked beans, all from different brands with one's got sausage in it and one's got this in it and one's got that in it, how do you typically feel? You feel overwhelmed and it's really hard to mm. make a choice. And so you kind of walk away and you don't get what you need. So I think we do have this abundance of choice and it's daily being increased. I mean, you look at just um, things that you could buy. I mean, I've got a six-year-old daughter, things that you can buy for a six-year-old kid. I mean, you go into any store today, there's like a, probably like, I don't know, 10, 20,000 different things you could maybe go and buy for a kid that age. What does she actually need? She needs my love. She needs my time. She needs my attention. She needs me to go and hang out with her. Um, and I think that is at the heart of where we are in this modern this modern world is like you say we have we have access to everything but actually what we want is just someone to say do you know what brock i love you you're you're amazing you're doing good that's that's all we're looking for but we go and seek that in buying the new car or the new gadget or the new thing or spending you know two hours a day on twitter or facebook having fake mini connections instead of actually just having that deep connection to other humans and doing you know it, we talked about how do you how do you define purpose or what is purpose? Like for me, it comes down to doing something that's bigger than yourself in service of other people that also um, enlivens your existence. Like that's not buying stuff online. <laughs> you know, that's going out and offering yourself in service with other humans and understanding and empathy and connection and love and doing something and getting in the outdoors. And you can't sell that. <laughs> that's the thing no one makes money on on, on doing that <laughs> exactly yeah the uh it's easy to forget that's an option I, I guess because we're not assaulted with advertising for it um and it's easy to be distracted exactly, yeah. by the shiny versus the 100 100 going like, for the meeting yeah i mean don't forget that the globally the advertising industry spends about 500 billion dollars a year trying to make you buy stuff that predominantly you don't need, but they make you want it. And you, you know, you as an individual, you do not have anti-jamming software coming out of your head unless you're very awakened and you, and you know what's, I mean, I've spent 10, 15 years in sales and marketing. So I kind of know what people are trying to do to me. So I'm really wise to it. And I, I kind of just observe it, you know, more casually and go, oh, I see what you're doing there. See how you're trying to make me see, you know, seeing how you're trying to manipulate me and influence me. But for most people who are time poor and just trying to get through their day and just trying to be a good partner and just trying to be a good parent, it's, it, you know, they wouldn't be spending $500 billion a year if it didn't work. <laughs> mm. So what, what I want to start doing is buying up some advertising spaces uh, around Christchurch potentially to start with and just put a big picture of a, of a walking track with just go for a walk with no, nothing else on it. <laughs> to start doing some of that sort of jamming for people. <laughs> 
So, um, wow. I mean, we, we could, I could go on a long time talking about this. I, I love thinking about, about purpose and meaning and how do I step that up in my own life? And one of the things I, I noticed uh, before we wrap up here is on, on your own website, you mentioned that your mission is to make New Zealand the most purpose-driven country in the world. Yep. So like Tim, that's not a small mission. Um, and how, how, how do you do that? Where do you, where do you begin? It's not a small mission. Um, but I think for me, ultimately that's part of purpose. Like the more you dig into purpose, the more you connect to it, the bigger you want to play. Um, and it's cool if people want to stop, stop relatively small and go, look, I'm just going to focus on being really purpose driven in my own family. Like we need that. But I think for me, I just want to play as big as I can, you know, in terms of legacy, in terms of what does success look like. Um, equally, New Zealand is a really interesting place. Like we were a population of between four and five million people. So we're a, you know, a rounding error on a United States population census. <laughs> um, so we're really small. We're quite connected. Um, you know, we've, we have um, the NZX 50. So we have 50 big businesses in New Zealand that we can try and, you know, if we can influence them, we pretty much can influence the whole of New Zealand. Um, and at the heart of being a Kiwi, like I'm originally from the UK, so I'm, I'm an immigrant into New Zealand. And at the heart of being a Kiwi, we have like these, we have these amazing characters like Sir Edmund, Hil Sir Edward Hil Edmund Hillary, who uh, was the first guy to uh, summit Everest. Um, we have um, Kate Shepherd, who was the lady who got um, women the vote first. We're the first country in the world to get women the vote. We have a massive anti-nuclear stance, which means we don't accept US warships into our ports. Um, during the 1970s, we um, ran protests against anti-apartheid and said, no, the South African rugby team can't come here unless you stop having apartheid. Um, like As Kiwis, we, we can muster ourselves for big challenges and we can kind of cohesively get together and recognize that doing good makes sense. And so it's kind of in our DNA to be really purpose-driven. I think we've just been lost. We've just been, like like almost every other human, we've been sold the sizzle, as we would say here. Um, you know, the sausage smells great and it's sizzling and it looks fantastic, but actually we don't want this, that, that anymore. And so I think... Um, I think I think it could be done relatively easily here. If we if we can do do any country to to fully transform to being a hundred percent purpose driven, I think New Zealand is one of the first that we can do that. So why not start here? Yeah, nice. Uh, I, I love that it's so big, and yet you've broken it down to where it. I mean, you've you've convinced me that it's doable. Um, Way. And, and <laughs> well, so come and move move to New Zealand. You can be the number two. You you can help me get this going. <laughs> there, you, there you go. Yeah, um, yeah. No, I, I love that 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 mission, that that purpose. So, as we wrap up here, uh, two questions I, I always ask my guests, and one is is where can people find you, and then the second one is how can the listeners help you? Wow. Um, so to find me, if you um, just put Tim Jones grow good into any search engine if you can't find me i kind of say the internet is probably broken um but uh, other than that just if you if you look for growgood.co that's my website growgood.co um how can people help me just start the purpose conversation you know um if we can normalize the idea that going to work and not enjoying it and going out on the weekend and getting maybe really drunk and then buying a lot of stuff. If we can, if we can kind of help people realize that although most people are doing that, that that's not normal, that's not what we should be doing and actually living more purposefully is the right thing to do. Yeah. Start that conversation and spread the purpose, the purpose bug. That'd be fantastic. 
Awesome. Love it. Well, Tim, it has been great having you on the show. Um, I, I, I say I, I love these conversations and I, I need to go think about it. Fantastic. Hey, thank you so much for what you're doing and for having me on. Because um, I think, you know, there, there are these multiple touch points of people like yourselves and Zach and, and others in the world who, you know, we can just start normalizing these conversations. And I think that's a massive part towards um, getting where we need to be. Absolutely. Hey, thank you for listening to Imperfect Action today. Let me know what your favorite takeaway was. What what are you going to take from the show and put into action in your life right now today to help you move forward? Hit me up in the comments or on Twitter. I'm dying to hear how is this show helping you to move forward? Now, one of the things I want to mention was that today's episode was brought to you by NutraFit. Now, I tried NutraFit's whey protein supplement after meeting the founder and hearing about his journey and his commitment to quality. I like to support up and coming businesses, so I gave it a try and I was really amazed at it. Now, I've had a lot of different protein drinks, but what made NutraFit different is one that it mixes immediately and also that the chocolate flavor actually tasted like chocolate. You know, so often they taste that like some kind of chemical engineering science project rather than just like food. And on top of that, NutraFit has no artificial sweeteners, colors, or preservatives. Plus, it includes probiotics, and I find it to be easy on the stomach. Now, the true taste test of it all is that my teenage daughter even likes it. She often has a shaker cup in the morning just on her way to school. Now, there are a lot of supplement brands on the market, but I do want to mention that NutraFit happens to be my personal favorite. And as a listener of Imperfect Action, you get 15% off of any order. When you're at checkout, after you've picked out your products, just use the code TAKEACTION. And that's written as one word, just take action at checkout. Now, my personal favorite, and I'm not trying to influence you here, but is the double chocolate whey protein. And you can order right on NutraFit's website. That's N-U-T-R-I-F-I-T-T. There's two T's in there. So NutraFit.net. And let me know what you think. Just a little